uh, joining costs uh, to uh, get on her Pagan America project uh, costs zero. There are no dues. Uh, this isn't a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe. All you have to do uh, is request to join the Pagan America project on Facebook. Then all you have to do is start looking, really looking at the public spaces where you live. Take photos of the pagan imagery you discover all around you and post them along with a sentence or two describing the image and its location to the project's page. There are a few stock photos already on the page to show the sorts of things they're looking for, but uh, after this, uh, there's no more stock photos uh, accepted. You, uh, you know, what you will see will be what people have submitted, and you must have taken the photo yourself. Otherwise, um, you might not have the right to post it. And, you know, I know Dana is very right. When I was doing my book on sacred places around the world, uh, and I really started to... Um, you know, open my own lens. Uh, they're everywhere in California. We have goddesses on the sides of buildings, on California city flags, on the California flag. Um, really, these are everywhere. And uh, some of them I have even uh, given myself permission to name as sacred sites, like Lady Liberty, uh, you know, as in Libertas, uh, you know, in the harbor of New York. We have Lady Freedom on the top of the uh, the Capitol and, you know, at Congress and all of the imagery at the um, Supreme Court. I mean, they're everywhere. They really are everywhere. And I think this is a fun project, uh, the Pagan America Project, um, most definitely. So I hope you will go and find it on Facebook and uh, maybe submit uh, some images you have. I think when I get time, uh, I certainly will uh, do that as well. Also want to say thanks to Jean uh, for writing me about her appreciation for my recent interview with Lauren Time. I spoke to Lauren not that long ago. Uh, our topic was becoming spiritual. And Jean said uh, she could listen to Lauren and I chat all day. Well, that was really nice, Jean. Thank you. And, you know, Jean sent me an idea for a show guest, um, and maybe you've heard of her. Uh, the show idea, uh, show guest idea was um, uh, Lauren Eisenhower. And that name might sound familiar because, yeah, she is the uh, great-granddaughter of former President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Now, she's either the granddaughter or the great-granddaughter. I'm not sure which. I have to go back and double-check. But, you know, she will be on the show in the coming months discussing natural alchemy, the divine feminine, opening the gates for ascension, uh, the source of ancient symbols, and uh, she can shed some light on what she believes is the true Holy Grail. So I think she sounds like a very interesting guest, and thank you, Jean, so much uh, for your interest in the show, for your kind words, and for tipping me off uh, to Laura Eisenhower. I'm, I'm sure we will uh, have a lot of fun with her uh, for interview. And finally, um, I want to say to uh, listeners out there, if you couldn't make it uh, this past Sunday, a couple days ago, uh, to our full house uh, at the Goddess Temple slash Museum of Woman in Irvine, I gave uh, part two of my four-part series talk on partnership. 
now that I'm a partnership practitioner with Rianne Eisler's Center for Partnership Studies. Uh, and if uh, you missed it, uh, no worries. You can actually catch the talk. We videotaped it, and uh, I've posted it on my Facebook page. Uh, you might have to scroll down a bit because I've been busy posting a lot of uh, uplifting stuff and DNC stuff, but if you scroll down the page uh, to Monday, I believe, uh, you'll find it on Facebook, or you know what, you can find it on YouTube as well. Uh, just go to YouTube, uh, put in my name, uh, and you know, and the word partnership, and I believe both uh, part two and part one will come up, along with other great stuff you might want to listen to. Uh, I've got other talks there, meditations, uh, some audio excerpts from my book, Goddess Calling, and um, you know, uh, it was it was great fun. Uh, everybody there is always so appreciative of the talks that I give. Uh, so much support and. Um, you know, just a wonderful example of partnership. We we actually get there at the temple, so it uh, you know it makes it fun and not a chore to have to put together a talk and then uh, share it with folks for fourth Sunday services. And uh, you'll have another opportunity to uh, hear me uh, give part three uh, there in Irvine on August 28th which is actually my birthday, so that's what I'll be doing uh, as part of my birthday gig. Um, I'll be giving part two, which is partnership with our local and global community. Um, and I, in case I didn't say it, uh, this past Sunday it was partnership with intimate others, and the previous talk was partnership with ourselves. You know, are we uh, being a good friend to ourselves? Because, you know, so many of us um, aren't really good friends to ourselves. Um, you know, we, we uh, you know, maybe treat other people better than uh, we treat ourselves. And uh, so anyway, you can hear more about that. Uh, in those uh, videotaped uh, talks that I've just described. And I hope you'll stay tuned in with me after my interview with Georgia, which is going to happen real soon here. Uh, I will have some words about the Democratic Convention and some other stuff I think you'll be interested in, um, including some, uh, I'll be telling you about some pagan-oriented delegates, uh, goddess people, like-minded people, who were in Philadelphia this week. And um, uh, we will We'll be chatting with them uh, maybe as early as next week after they get home and they get a, a chance to catch their breath and reflect on everything that happened uh, this week. We'll, we'll give some firsthand accounts of what they were seeing and feeling on the ground uh, because you know what? They were right there in the thick of things because we certainly know uh, what uh, comes to us from mainstream media um, is certainly not everything. Uh, oftentimes it's not the stuff we'd be interested in. Uh, it's the stuff they want us to see and want us to think. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's how they want us, uh, you know, to, you know, kind of manipulate the, the conversation or the dialogue or um, the energy. And, you know, it's not always accurate. So, um, so yeah, so uh, stay tuned in after my interview with Georgia and uh and uh, and watch if you're uh, a follower of the show, uh, and you will soon be seeing uh, when I post uh, that interview with the delegates. And that reminds me right now, actually. I, I don't think I've remembered to say this for a while, uh, but um, you really should click the follow button on my show page, and uh, that way 
If you're not in my email database, um, you will be sure to get notice of uh, the shows that come on each week and uh, and not miss any good stuff. Okay, so remember, uh, click uh, the follow button and... Uh, um, you know, that's one F, and the other F is uh, please uh, go to my Facebook pages and, uh, uh, and like them or uh, request to become a friend. And if you send me a private uh, Facebook message and tell me um, you're a listener and you'd like to become a friend, um, you know, more than likely, uh, you know, you'll get, uh, uh, you know, you'll get accepted, you know, sooner rather than later. Okay. So uh, let me introduce you to Georgia uh, by way of her bio. I've already told you a little bit about her, but uh, there's more to know. Um, she is a healer, a teacher, a writer. Uh, as I already said, I believe she's a Reiki master and teacher in the Usui method. Uh, she's a certified crystal sound and chakra therapist and certified starfire animal healing and communications practitioner. Uh, she's taught and attuned hundreds of Reiki students since 97 when she became a Reiki master teacher. She's also worked extensively with animals, uh, dogs, cats, horses, and other small animals. Her soul's purpose is to help others discover their true life path through personal healing and thus experience the joy and fulfillment that comes from true self-knowledge. Uh, personal healing is a long-term process that results from the application of many holistic healing methods, including healing the body, mind, and spirit. Wow, this really falls right in line with the idea of partnership with self, you know, as I'm reading her bio here. Um, Georgia is the author of the book Reiki, Crystals, and Chakras. Her book is a complete guide to energy healing and has been used by teachers and students alike throughout the world. She currently works out of her offices in Rancho Bernardo and Murrieta, California, uh, and various other locations such as metaphysical stores and fairs. She can also be contacted by email, telephone, Skype, and Google Hangouts. And uh, one of her, uh, well, one of her websites is loveandlightreikihealing.com. That's loveandlightreikihealing.com. Her blog is uh, ravensview.wordpress.com. And holistic, holistic tales blog. That's holistictalesblog.com. So, Georgia, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here today with you. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you, too. Um, I mean, I think this is a, a great modality that uh, uh, intrigues a lot of people. And, um, you know, it, probably the best thing to do is uh, kind of start at the beginning. Uh, you know, I might have some listeners out there who aren't really familiar with Reiki. Um, can you kind of describe uh, what it is? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's a form of energy healing. Um, it comes from two Japanese words, rei and ki. Uh, rei meaning universal, and ki is a life force energy. And it's the same as um, chi in uh, Chinese and uh, prana in uh, Sanskrit. So it's, it's the life force energy that exists in the universe, and it's possible for a person to channel that energy through their body and direct it to someone else. And that could be a person, it could be a plant, it could be an animal. 
So, um, would it, it, so, so this is sort of like when you go get acupuncture treatment. I mean, that's supposed to be opening your chi channels and stuff. So we're talking about sort of the same uh, internal energy. It's it's the same energy field. The body is is made up of energy. Uh, acupuncture. My sister's an acupuncturist, and that involves using needles to move the energy. With Reiki, you use your hands, your eyes. You can beam it, uh, and you can in the palms of your hands. So you can send it through your body into wherever you're directing it. Wow, wow! So, um, it, and now, you don't need to really can, touch anything. It, and um, can anyone do it? And and I mean, I hear people like they do it from afar. Um, so, so I guess it's a two-pronged question. Can anyone do it? Because, um, I mean, I know they always say, you know, any, you know, we're all psychic. We could all be psychics. But some of us, you know, uh, seem to be more inclined to be able to do it well than others. And can you do it long distance? Or do you, you have to be right there with the person or animal or thing? Yes, anybody can absolutely do it. And I've had classes with children as young as three and four years old that um, are really very open to it and very able to do it. And the oldest person I attuned was 88, and he became a Reiki master at 88 and uh, lived for a couple of years after that and did a lot of good uh, with it. So it's not limited. Anybody can do it. You don't need a skill to do it. You just need to have an attunement, which basically opens your body up to channel the energy. Um, Okay. Yes, it can be sent sent distance, and it can be sent anywhere on the planet. You can send it to the space station if you want. You can send it forward in time, and you can send it backward in time. Wow, you know that I didn't. I've never heard that. That's that's pretty yeah. incredible. Well, you well, you know, yeah. I I would like all of our our Bernie family to send good healing energy for poor Bernie Sanders after what he's gone through at the convention this week. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I I didn't actually think think about that till uh, till now, but that would have been great to be able to send him um, uh, healing energy. Um, so now Reiki, um, I know it's kind of considered an alternative healing modality and it's crazy how long it took you know things like acupuncture chiropractic uh, you know those sorts of alternative modalities to be accepted by insurance and things like that Um, I mean how well accepted is Reiki um, you know today I mean are are we just finding this in you know uh, real metaphysical um, you know forward thinking places like California or is this something that people are doing you know all around the world and it's uh, is is it becoming commonplace I guess that's the question Uh, absolutely I have people that um, are my Facebook fans and people that come to my websites from places all over the world. My book has sold in India, France, Britain. So there's um, absolutely groups doing Reiki all over the world. And it is very commonplace. When I started out in Reiki, it was kind of a joke. And people thought it was, oh, this is so weird. You know, what is this? And that was in 1993 when I got my first attunement. And uh, but in recent years, it's become very mainstream. It's used in uh, hospitals 
all over, particularly here that I know of in Southern California, because I've gotten some people coming to me for Reiki classes because they first received it in the hospital and had no idea what it was until they experienced it. So it's uh, it's become pretty mainstream. I believe even the VA uh, has Reiki available. Wow. Um, wow. I, I did hospitals. not know that. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. didn't know that they were – I didn't know that you could actually get it in a hospital. I figured you had to go to, yeah. a, you know, a, met, a metaphysical practitioner or something. No. No. I mean, it's, it's very um, – accessible in our hospital, especially here in California. Um, they use it a lot for pain management, uh, people who are going through cancer therapy because it helps with the side effects, uh, it's relaxation, uh, and it does facilitate healing. Okay. So and is, is, it, so is it is it an ancient practice that's been rediscovered or is it a new practice that we've that we've discovered in contemporary times? Well, that's a good question, and I don't necessarily have an answer to that. Uh, according to its founder, uh, Dr. Yusui, it's a unique um, healing modality that he discovered in the early 20s when he was meditating in uh, in Japan on top of Mount Palama. He went for a three-day fast and um, meditation, and he was struck by a blue light, this is the story, and he received the symbols, and he found out that he could heal himself because he had hurt himself and other people. So he started uh, a practice in Japan and um, taught several people, and from there it it spiraled out. Um, There is a practice in ancient Buddhism called the Medicine Buddha, and he's a beautiful blue Buddha, and he um, it, there's actually what they call sutras or writings about medicine Buddha, and it was passed through an empowerment, and it was a form of energy healing. Now I don't. My theory is that he probably connected with that, but that's not how the story goes. So I don't really know. Right, right. But uh, it was known in ancient times. Um, well, you know, it makes me wonder, and, and uh, you know, I don't mean to throw you another, um, you know, a, 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 you know, kind of a, um, uh, a, a stumbling block here, but uh, you're, and, and it, but I mean, maybe it, this is uh, something you've you've thought about or talked about before, you know, since this is energy work, and um, I, I wonder. Uh, you know, just kind of, you know, connecting the dots here. You know, there are people that believe uh, in sound healing, you know, music as uh, as a healing modality. And obviously, you know, sound waves or energy waves. Um, now, granted, you know, the Reiki is, is the energy that we uh, take from our own body and project it out. But it, it almost seems like it's still all energy work, and maybe there's some similarities between the two. I mean, um, do you know anybody that does um, healing with sound? Yeah, I've, I've studied it. Um, it's actually not energy that we take from our own body. There's no energy of our own that is given during Reiki. It's an energy that exists in the universe that we bring into uh. our body. Um, and the, what the attunement does is it kind of, it's kind of like tuning a, a guitar. Like if you want to play a string in the key of F, you have to have that string tuned. What it does is it tunes your body, it opens your body, it opens your chakras, and it moves your kundalini. So 
it enables your body to send more of it. Now, I think everybody can probably, you know, have a little bit of the healing energy in their hands, but when you get the attunement, it kicks it up to a really high level. You can actually feel the difference. So, um, in that sense. So, so does uh, it? Well, uh, so it will going back to the, you know, to the music and the sound. Then, um, it, do you think that that they're connected at all? I mean, how they, how well, they, yeah, that... um, it, you know, how it works. In other words, you know, I mean, you're using well, uh, whether it's Reiki energy or sound energy. Is the I don't know. I guess I'm just curious if the healing is. Um, happening uh, similarly, um, or maybe yeah, we don't even yes. know. Well, I, I don't know that we completely know all of it, but I, I am also a chakra therapist, and each of our seven chakras has a sound frequency and a note associated with it. So, if you uh, you know play a sound at the frequency of the chakras, or you you do tones that that are that are the same as the, the chakras you can balance your energy system that way. So it's something I think that's used with Reiki. Um, you can also give Reiki to the chakras, and that will harmonize them. So I think there, okay. there are a lot of things that are probably working on the same premises and but are not exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I often wonder, um, I mean, if our world wasn't the way it is today, and uh, I don't know if it would mean going back in time or going forward in time or whatever. But, you know, imagine if we lived in a temple where, you know, we woke up to a sound bath and, you know, from that maybe we went into a meditation and we did Reiki. And, you know, during the day when we did our daily chores, we could listen to healing music. And, you know, I think maybe you get my drift, you know, where we're coming from, where I'm coming from with all of this. If, you know, if, if we, uh, you know, we were cool with sacred sexuality instead of, you know, victims of some of the taboo and shame, if, uh, you know, we we were just all vibrating on a higher level, um, you know, that would that would be an interesting way to live. It would be so much better than this, um, you know, sort of dog-eat-dog, uh, stress-filled life that we have. You know, I, I, I wonder how different, um, you know, how different that would be. Well, we probably did live that way and have some memory of it, Karen, I think. I think we can. Yeah. Uh, I can certainly, I can certainly relate to that. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. think our lives are a little out of control at this point in time. But I do believe in a balance, and I think, you know, we're here on this planet, so we have to do some planetary and material things. And um, I don't know if I would want to live every day so uh, in such high vibration. I don't think our current bodies would do well with it right now. We would, it would take probably take a few uh, hundred years of, you know, raising our vibrations to get to that point. Um, where we yeah. can, where we can do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're there, you know. Yeah, because I yeah. think my my, well, my teacher has always said that, you know, to be truly enlightened, you have to live in both worlds. You have to be, you have to ground your root chakra as well as open your crown, you know. So there has to be a balance in uh, in yeah. life. Yeah. 
That makes I think. sense. That's just my that makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, you you know what all of this energy work makes me think about, and um, I don't know whether you ever read it, and I certainly didn't read the whole series. I think I only read one book. But uh, are you familiar? I think the author's name might have been Redfield, but the Celestine prophecy. Oh, vaguely, yeah, from a long time ago, right? That was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I read that a many years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think he came out in the early 90s, and at least the first book yeah. did. And at the end, the goal was, um, I, I think the guy finally achieved uh, coming out of his, you know, um, flesh and blood body, and he actually um, turned into energy. You know, it, it was really cool. Anyway, that, that's what this energy work makes me think about, you know, trying to... I, well, I think because we um, all have memories. Yeah, I'll have memory of that, you know, and yeah, that would be wonderful. Well, and and maybe too. I mean, this whole idea—if we are all energy and it, and energy never dies—you um, know, maybe that's the state we're naturally in between, um, uh, you know, incarnations. You know, I I don't know. I'm yeah, just talking I'm, off the top of my head here, uh, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, I believe that. So, I, I think we are. Yeah. 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 Um, So, so how did how did you get started doing this? Was there something in particular that drew you to become a Reiki uh, healer? It was just one of many things that I thought out uh, back in the early '90s because I was in such a bad place uh, personally, and um, I had just gone through a divorce, and then I had a very broken relationship that devastated me and just realizing that I had a lot of things accumulated from my childhood and my marriage and I was just in a really bad place and I I just went from place to place looking for help and I knew that traditional uh, therapy and psychology wasn't going to cut it because I'd been down that road before so I came to California and started seeking out just different modalities that came into my vision, you know, and Reiki was one of them, and uh, it definitely changed my life. Uh, yeah. I'm not the same person so, I was, and I, Well, you know, tell us, tell us some success stories with Reiki. <laughs> oh, my goodness, there's so many of them over the years, it's just hard to even remember them all. Um I think one of the most interesting ones was uh, a little kitten that I had bought for my children uh, back in the beginning of my Reiki career. And she apparently had eaten some um, cotton from a, inside of a stuffed toy that belonged to my children. And it got stuck in her intestines and she got very ill and the vet um, operated on her, but she developed peritonitis. And I got a call from the vet saying that the, the cat was passing and that she was cold and they had her on a on a heating pad and you know so I was like really upset but when I told my son he was devastated he was just a little boy then so I called everybody I knew that did Reiki and I said please send Reiki to this cat tonight and I sat up all night sending her Reiki and in the morning I got a phone call from the vet and he said well I really can't explain this but cat is up she's growling at us because she always hated the vet and uh you know she wants to eat and her temperature's gone and i can't explain it so i said oh wow it's a great vet 
good job, you know, because back then you didn't talk about it. And uh, yeah. that was probably the most dramatic thing that I, I think happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, will will Reiki work if you uh, are, are skeptic? If if you don't maybe believe in it, you know? Yeah, it'll it'll still work. It doesn't require any belief system. It's not a philosophy or a religion. There is a spirituality to it, but you don't have to believe in it for it to work. It will still work. It's usually good okay. to get the per- permission of the person that you're doing it on. I mean, if they think it's the devil's work, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, you have some some of these um, uh, Christian um, preachers out there that think yoga is evil, you know. Oh, um, I know. So I, I, know. <laughs> I, but uh, so can I mean, can, can you do Reiki on yourself? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you can absolutely. I've, I, I, it used to be my only form of health insurance for a long time that I had. Really? Because I couldn't get health okay. insurance. Yeah, I couldn't get it, and I, and I have my, my special Reiki crystal that I use to, to heal my own things, and I've healed many things with it. We're not actually legally supposed to say that it can heal things. It can. Ha- we're, yeah. we're supposed to say it can help with stress and pain relief, but. Yeah. It does, <laughs> but, but but you think you you think it can do more than that? Oh, absolutely! I have seen miracles in the psyche. Yeah, miracles, yeah. and it's not just physical; it's also um, emotional and spiritual. It works on three levels. I had a client who had a uh, psychiatric illness, and she wanted to learn Reiki, and she did, and she actually got better. She's not perfect, but she got a lot better. There was a huge difference in her when she started working on her own healing. You know, so, so it worked. All right. So so let me ask you this, okay? And and um and if you don't want to go there, that's okay, but a thought just popped into <laughs> my head. Um okay. okay, so if if you can if you can send Reiki energy, you know, um from 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 where you are to other people and that sort of thing. Um, all right, and you're talking about using it for good purposes. Um, is it possible to use it for bad purposes? I mean, um, this whole idea of, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but white magic versus black magic, you know, uh, white worker work versus something that's darker. Or is is the source of this what sort of prevents it from being used that way? Absolutely. I mean, Reiki, one of the basic tenets of Reiki is that it can do no harm. So you can't, you can't really, it's, it's a life force energy, so it's a positive energy. So I don't really see how it could um, feed a negative uh, energy, you know, a negative um, energy force. So I, okay. I would say okay. no. Yeah, but it okay. can be used for manifestation. Like if you want to manifest something in your life, you can do that with Reiki. We'll you know, talk about positive. that a little bit. Talk, yeah. talk about well, that a bit. Well, for example, if you want to manifest um, more more uh, readers for your books, you know, you can put that on a piece of paper and put it on your Reiki altar. We have like an altar that we we. Put requests for healing and 
things for ourselves and give it energy. And as you give it energy, it helps it to manifest. So it can be used for manifestation, you know, for positive All right, things. So Usually better. Go ahead. Okay. No, 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 I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I, I finished saying what That's you were okay. going to say. And you... Well, it, you know, it's, it's used for positive manifestation. You can use it for positive. And it's usually a good idea to keep things uh, somewhat vague, you know, this or something better, you know, for the highest good to add something like that. Because it can manifest okay. in so many different ways, you know. Okay. So, all right. So let's talk, you know, let's break that down even a little bit more. So um, so you have the Reiki altar. You write something on, the, on a piece of paper that you want to manifest. And uh, let's just stick with the subject of, you know, more readers for my books. Um, and so what do you, you know, for somebody who hasn't done this before, what do you do then? I mean, are you just um, uh, mentally thinking to yourself, I want more readers for my books, I want more readers for my books? Or are you uh, pulling up energy from the earth and, you know, uh, maybe using your hands to focus it out at the piece of paper, which is the metaphor or representation for that thing? I mean, how do you actually do it? Well, first you would have to have a Reiki attunement to level one or two. And then you would be giving your altar. And on my altar... I would place requests from people for healing or whatever. And every day I charge it. I have it set with crystals, and I charge the crystals every day. And, and by the way, I want to put a little plug in here. Uh, my friend, Lady Brenda McCoy, she's been on your show, I believe, before. And uh, she and yeah, I wrote a book not called... not too long ago. Yeah. We wrote a book called Reiki for Witches. And there's a lot of... Uh, ways that you can use Reiki for manifestation and magic in that book. Okay. Okay. And what was the title of it again? Reiki for Witches? Reiki for Witches. It's on Amazon. Also with my book. If you just Google my name on Amazon, uh, it will come up. Yeah, Georgia Vallejos, V-L-A-H-O-S, uh, for listeners yeah. who are maybe doing it as we speak, uh, or we'll do it later. Um, oh, I hope uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too, Georgia. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, I think this is, um, I mean, this is what everybody needs. This is what everybody wants. I mean, with life being so rough and, you know, we're working longer for less money, I mean, we need to figure out ways to manifest things, uh, you know, that... Uh, you know, maybe we, um, you know, an alternative source of abundance, I guess, you know, put it, uh, uh, you know, put it that way. Um, so, yeah. you know, you, and I, you know, I'm thinking too, you know, like when, and like you're saying, you have people's uh, requests on your altar and you focus on them. You know, how is this different than when you pray for someone? I mean, do you think it's the same thing or do you think it's a little different? Um, I think it's a, a higher vibration. A prayer is just is sending an intent into the universe, to the goddess, to God, whoever you're sending it to, whereas Reiki is specifically sending life force energy to the intent. And it's sending it on, for each attunement you get, you, you get a higher level of ability to channel the energy. So uh, you're sending, actually sending the life force energy to it. And you can also, as I mentioned earlier, you can send Reiki 
into the future and into the past. So that, I think, gives it another uh, dimension. Right, uh, for right. For example, if you, well, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to send it into the past, I do past life regression work with clients, and while I do the regressions, I send Reiki back to the incidents that we're looking at, and that creates hmm. healing in the present because there really is no time. If you think about oh, it, wow. time is something that we created. Wow. So, and I think um, I think well, when you we had... get on this, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, the, when you're talking about Reiki and this level, you're getting into the realm of quantum physics. You know where everything is connected. Yeah. And um, you know you're talking about a multi-dimensional reality. You're talking about yeah. no time, no space, no place, which is actually one of the Reiki symbols, uh, transcend yeah. time and space. So, yeah, it's, it's powerful. Well, that's interesting, you, you know, because so many of us, you know, we find out or we believe that um, our current issues can be related to a past life. So um, that's, I, I've never heard anyone say that before, Georgia, but you know what, that makes perfect sense <laughs> to me. Um, you know, and we're hearing, you know, we're starting to learning st- learn stuff about how, you know, our DNA carries the pain and trauma uh, from our families, from past lives, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. This, this is just all making a whole lot of sense to me. It really does so, work. So, you know, so you how would you do it, it for the, the future? Well, yeah, how how would that work? What would be the scenario to use for that? Okay. Um, supposing next week you're getting an, a surgery on your foot, okay? Well, you can sit today and send Reiki to the surgery room, you know, and the doctor and the situation, and it will be there when you get there. I actually used to do that when I was going through my divorce. I would send Reiki to the judge in the courtroom because <laughs> it was kind of contentious. And, you know, it really helped. It really made a difference. Wow. Wow, that yeah. is that is pretty incredible. That is really incredible. Um, I, I, I knew you were going to open this whole Reiki can uh, to a whole new level, you know, because we've had people talk on the show before about Reiki, but, um, you know, you were, you were really bringing us to, uh, you know, to a whole new level with, uh, with, with the Reiki. Um, well, all right, well, you've already said that this is effective with animals. You said that you can do it for a plant. Um, I, I mean, is, so is this something that you can almost use for uh, peace or a contentious um, situation? Like, for instance, all the craziness at the DNC, you know, uh, could Reiki be sent there to, um, you know, calm, you know, heal the broken hearts or, or uh, calm the rage or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. And when I do my Reiki circles, I have regular circles, like monthly. And um, one of the things that we do is what I call a group healing. And we all hold hands and we send Reiki out into the world to areas that are, you know, experiencing difficulties, rage, war, you know, whatever. And also to people who are, you know, wounded or 
physically or emotionally or, you know, you can send it. And I also try and, and, you know, link up with other healers, you know, around the world. So my vision is to just have a grid covering the planet of healing, you know, and, and it's an exponential thing, you know, it, it, it just keeps going further and further. So at some point, I think we'll hit a tipping point where there's like a grid covering the planet of healing. And that's one yeah. of my visions for Reiki. Right, so, yes, right. To answer your question. Um, so, does this have anything to do with soul retrieval? I mean, I don't know um, a lot about soul retrieval, but soul retrieval is a shamanic process. Where the theory of shamans is that when you have trauma in your life, um, say you're abused as a child, you lose a, a, a small part of your soul or a large part, depending on the level of abuse, and it, it becomes lost. And the soul retrieval brings it back. It's not. It's a whole different process. I mean, you could use Reiki while you're doing it, you know, which I, I do mm-hmm. use it with other modalities that I you know, indulge in, but uh, it's, it's a very different process. Okay. So do you use this a lot when you're doing your animal healing and communication? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I I even once went to the zoo, the uh, or San Diego Wild Animal Park, and there was an elephant that was like weaving back and forth, which is a sign of stress in animals when they do that. And the elephant was obviously very stressed, and I was quite a distance away, and I sent him Reiki, and he stopped the weaving. You know, so yeah, I think animals are more open to it, and they're very aware of it too. They'll often mm-hmm. show you where they hurt so that you'll put your hands on them. Um, How do they do that? Well, sometimes a dog will, will come or a cat will come uh, and put themselves right under your hands or they'll take their nose. Like my friend Lady Brenda's dog, when he was passing, I, I did Reiki on him, and he would put his nose where he hurt. He would show me, and then I would put my hands on there, and he would lay there. And, you know, you could see that. He, he really gained from it, you know. So they, yeah, they're more open yeah. and they're more aware, I think, than people are. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, you know, that makes, me, that makes me think, I mean, have there been any studies where they have been able to measure this? I mean, what I'm thinking about is remember that photography that could, um, you know, that can, that is supposed to be able to see your aura or that photography that showed if you, um, you know, cut off a branch of a flower, uh, you could see where the cut-off branch, the energy of it, used, you know, the, where the cut-off part used to be, I, if I'm remembering this right. Um, I mean, has anybody done a test to actually see Reiki, the energy? To physically see it? I would imagine. I don't know of any studies. And you're talking about Curlian photography where they photograph the energy field? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can can see people's auras and um, uh, I can see changes in them when I work on them. I can see energy move. I mean, I, I literally can see it. I can see the energy. If I, if I start using Reiki, I can see a greater energy field in my hand, you know, I suppose if they did curly and photography, I have seen, come to think of it, pictures of healers 
where they're, you know, years years and years ago where they were, you know, doing healing and you could see the huge amount of energy that was um, flowing around them. But um, well, now when when you yeah, when you say you see it, when you, when you say you see it, um, I mean, are you seeing it in your mind's eye, or are you you know literally seeing it and not feeling it? Yeah. I mean, like when I do Tai Chi, you know, when I do Tai Chi, I feel it, but I don't see it. You know, no, so I, can, I, I guess I'm I trying can to see it. Yeah. So, what does it look like to you? Um, well, around your body, you have like an auric field, which is like a, a white light. That's energy that comes off. And and then if I look longer, I will begin to see like auras and colors around the person. And um, yeah, I can literally see it. Some people visualize it in their mind's eye, or they'll think of a color, you know, when they're looking at a person. But for me, it's a very literal uh, thing. I can see the energy. You, I can see it coming out of trees. I can see it in animals and plants. And so, I mean, is, it's is something that, that is, I... Look. Well, is, is, is yeah. that ever a... Um, um, uh, I, I mean, it's a gift, obviously, uh, but does it ever become a nuisance for you that you can see that? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. I, I remember once I went to a, an event where there was some famous Swami talking and I was sitting in the back and everybody kind of had like such a glow about them in front of me that I couldn't see him. <laughs> so that was, that was difficult. When I, when I worked in retail, uh, uh, one little girl came up to me and told me some story about why she didn't, um, why she couldn't come to work the day before and there was this black splotch over her throat chakra, and I knew she was lying, you know. Um, you know, so it's it's pretty much a good thing, I think, because it helps me to work with people, um, you know, to to give them sessions to see the energy moving well, you know, and to see that that what you just said force. about the girl, the the girl lying, that makes me <laughs> need need to ask you. Um, if you see some, and I mean, I know this is maybe a little off the subject of Reiki and, you know, maybe it's, you know, delving into maybe auras or something, or maybe it is Reiki. I mean, can you see an evil person? I mean, do they look different to you or is it just, you know, or, or what, okay, well, uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Um, if I, I, I noticed for a long time that I would look at some people and they looked dirty to me. But because I knew them, I knew that they showered and, you know, they were, they were not physically dirty. And it took me a while to figure out that what I was seeing were their addictions. You know, I would find out later that they were addicted to uh, drugs or had a sex addiction or whatever, but I, I could see it, yeah. And also, like, if I'm in a room and, and there's somebody who has very negative energy, and I've only encountered this a few times, I can feel that right away. Like walking into yeah. Your yeah. Well, that that would that would be interesting. I can imagine if you go apply for a job, uh, you'd know if uh, you'd want that person for a boss. <laughs> um, 
but you know, can it get confusing though? Because what's the difference between? I mean, is there a difference between maybe you're seeing somebody who's otherwise a decent, nice person who's having a bad day, versus someone that is really a pedophile or an an addict or I don't know, a wife beater or something? Well. I, I don't think, you know, if someone's having a bad day, that's, you know, you'll pick up their negative or they're, you know, depressed or whatever. You'll As an empath, I pick that up. Um, when somebody has a dirty aura and I keep seeing it, I know that there's something is wrong there, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. It's not just a one-time thing, you know? So, yeah, now- I've had that experience. Now, for those who aspire to this and maybe want to try it, um, tell us where, what's the best source to um, start to learn, and can you teach yourself? Um, I suppose you can. I learned in, uh, when I was in ministerial school in the 90s, it was a uh, sort of new age type ministerial school, and I was taught the skill, and then later on, as I used it more and more, it developed more and more, and as I went further in my Reiki career, it, it opened up my third eye more and more. So uh, it's something that I, it's a technique I learned, but it grew over the years. Um, I teach it when I do my chakra therapy classes. Um, I teach my students to see auras and, and energy, and uh, that's part of the class. It's not a hard Thing to learn, and not everybody can do it. Some people are visual, and you know, some are you know just perceive it in different ways. You know, uh, okay. they might think of a color. You know. Okay. Um, and and for somebody who's just starting out now, you know, I, I'm sure we're all we're all different, so we're speaking in generalities now. But if you're if you're a beginner. Um, what would be a reasonable expectation for you to be able to do, you know? In terms of what? In terms of Reiki or seeing the aura? Yeah, or? yeah. Yeah, in terms of Reiki. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just, uh, let me put it to you this way. I mean, um, someone was trying to teach me how to do Reiki, and I didn't have any classes, you know, formal classes or anything, and my husband, um, who had a knee replacement, was always in a lot of pain with his knees, and so I would, you know, put my my hands over his, his uh, you know, his, his ailing knee, you know, a few inches above the spot, and he would swear he could feel heat. And sure. you know, and it, and and he would feel better, but you know, the next day it would be back. So I mean, it wasn't like it went away. It was like a real temporary fix for in the moment. And is that how Reiki is? Um, you know, or is that just because we didn't do it every day, or um, you know, I wasn't powerful enough at it, or I mean, maybe there's you know, you can't really know. But I'm just wondering what you think. Okay, well, first of all, I, I believe my philosophy is Reiki is very simple. So there's not a lot that, on, on, the, on the one and two level, um, which is basically, level one is a physical touch healing. Level two, you begin to learn to do distance healing and mental and emotional healing. On those two levels, I think it's basically pretty simple. 
uh, you just put your hand on the spot and it helps. Or you can do like a full body, you know, a, a treatment if you want. Each level requires an attunement. And each attunement will kick your energy ability to, the ability to channel the energy will kick it up. So um, as you progress, uh, you know, you will be able to channel more and more of the energy. Everybody has life force energy, so most people can feel heat in their hands, you know, so you are feeling that. But uh, Reiki opens it up to a much greater degree. Um, it's also the more, the more uh, difficult the condition is, like your husband having had surgery, that's kind of very traumatic to the body. Uh, it, it takes more, um, more treatments. So my son... Uh, had a kidney problem, very severe kidney problem many years ago. And I gave him Reiki three times a day. I put a crystal grid in his room to give him Reiki all the time. I Reiki'd his food. I Reiki'd his medications. And I did this for months. And he is fine today, uh, which he probably wasn't supposed to be. So, you know, you have to keep doing it. And when yeah, you get something you asymptomatic, mean. like a surgery, it's going to take a while to heal. But I've had clients right. who have had surgery and had very little pain because they were Reiki masters and they, they were doing regular treatments. And, you know, uh, it's like anything. It's nothing has touched the hem of my garment and they're healed. You know, it's often right, right. something that Well, and I was time. doing this without having had an attunement, too. So, right, um, right, you know, right. there, there's that, you know. Um, all right, so yeah. let me, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Lady Brenda's dog. You were helping it as it was passing over. So that makes yeah. me wonder, um, is, is how does Reiki help the dying or the terminally ill? Well, it, it often people that are terminally ill are anxious, uh, they're in pain, um, they may be depressed, and giving them Reiki uh, alleviates some of that, and it helps them to pass over. You can also give them Reiki after they've passed over, because it helps them on the on the on the other planes too. Uh, I had one student of mine, the 88 year old man, he passed away a couple of years after getting his Reiki master. And uh, most of my students and his students were there with him every day for a month before he passed. And we would come and give him Reiki and he would fall asleep and he would have like a really good rest period, you know, which he may not have had if we hadn't kept giving him the Reiki. So uh, it is used in hospices. Um, Some of my students have gone on to do that work. So it's very okay. effective. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can hear that. And 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 so there's something about the Reiki lineage too. Um, what is what is that, and is it important? Um, I do think it is. I didn't used to. Um, I thought it was kind of elitist. But uh, in recent years, there's been a proliferation of uh, Reiki masters doing. Uh, a video and people buying the video and they spend fifty dollars and they look at it over the weekend and then they they're Reiki masters and I just don't think that that's the way to do it and I think the lineage is comes down from Dr. Yusui and it's passed by master to student you know and and again and again and I think you know knowing that somebody has a hands-on lineage is um, helpful 
Uh, I don't want to see Reiki get regulated by the government. I think that would be terrible, Uh, although they do grumble about it from time to time. So I think just staying true to the lineage and, you know, and uh, having a, like, you know, an experience with with a master who has, you know, practiced for a long time. I think that's all important when you're finding someone to learn. Well, that was, that was going to be my final question before I I let you, you know, say what, you know, however you wanted to close is, you know, how does someone find a good Reiki master? I mean, how do they know if they're really good? You know, before I knew Lady Brenda, uh, and I would look for a psychic. Um, I have to tell you, I never found one that ever said anything <laughs> to me that um, you know made any sense or turned out to be accurate. You know, um, I, how do you, how do you find the Reiki master? Well, um, I think you have to ask people how they learned Reiki, how long they've been they've been like like you would go for a wheelchair. Unfortunately, or fortunately, in my mind. There is no licensing, but you have to be proactive. You, you know, you have to ask questions. You have to ask, you know, what is the person's belief about Reiki, and, and is it something that, you know, goes with yours? Um, you know, how long have they been practicing? How many students have they attuned? You know, what are their, what is their philosophy? You know, and what is their lineage? I mean, did they, did they watch a video and now they're a Reiki master, you know, or did they earn that through work? You know, and um, yeah. just asking asking questions and being proactive. You know, and um, well, and and those, those are good ideas for questions. Well, yeah, because you you do it via <laughs> Skype. You said, don't you? I mean, so you don't have to be yes, here in I Southern do. California to touch base with you. Um, so yeah. so that's a good thing. But yeah, but those are great questions because you know I wouldn't have thought to ask all of those questions. Um, right. So. So, Georgia, just to start to wrap here, um, is there anything you wanted to maybe add that I haven't thought to ask you? Or, Well, I think you've been pretty thorough, and I think we got into some interesting discussion about auras and chakras and, you know, sending Reiki into the past and the future. I, I think that that's something people may find very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just that there are three levels of Reiki, um, each level brings you up a notch. It gives you different skills. And um, to become a Reiki master teacher, you need to be able to pass attunements. And it's not a simple thing. It's a process that uh, you have to hold the energy within you and then pass it to your students. So it's, it's a process, and um, that's important for a Reiki master to know, as well as being able to teach people. Like I, I know a lot of people who... Are Reiki masters and can't teach. You know, they don't have the the ability or the, the you know the patience to to teach in that way. So you know, there's a lot of things. Um, if if you're looking to do Reiki with somebody, do some research. You know, get on the computer, read some books. You know, find out more about it mm-hmm. before you you know make a decision. Uh, is there any anything um, anything in particular that Reiki doesn't have a positive effect on, or can it help just about anything? Well, I read somewhere years ago that if you have just broken a bone, that it probably shouldn't give it Reiki. And I never knew if that was true or not until a student came to me and he said, you know, 
I was bicycling and I fell off and broke my ankle. I immediately gave it Reiki. And when I got, finally got to the hospital, it had already healed and they had to kind of re-break it. So I would just caution to hold off if you need a bone that has to be set, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and don't use crystals around pacemakers. Those are the only two things that I would caution about. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, then. Uh, well, very cool. So um, in closing, um, Georgia, why don't you tell uh, listeners your websites and your book again and how they reach you if maybe they want to do a Skype session with you or something like that? Okay. Um, my website is www.loveandlightreikihealing.com. That's my general website where I have all of the services that I offer are on there. Um, you can certainly email me at uh, ravenhawk1710 at gmail.com, or you can call me at 858-705-0288. And uh, I'm happy to talk with anybody who has questions or wants more information, and uh, I, I'd be thrilled to hear from you. So be my okay. guest. My book? is uh, mm-hmm. Reiki Crystals and Chakras, and it's uh, uh, the other book is Reiki for Witches that I wrote with Lady Brenda McCoy, and we also wrote a book called Tarot Secrets together. So I have three books. If you put my name in on Amazon, uh, they will come up. So you can order them. Okay. They're on Kindle, and they're paperback also. Okay, wonderful. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad you came on tonight because, uh, oh, you know, you've too. really... Uh, put this in, um, you know, we, we we really expanded on the subject, I think. Uh, we really did. Yeah, so, I thought it was great. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah I I, uh, I have to admit, I didn't know so much about Reiki, and now I know so much more. So, uh, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Oh, no problem. Um, well, look, you have a good week, and uh, no doubt we'll talk soon. Um, so oh, thank I'd you so much. To. Okay, right. take care. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Well, that was really interesting, um, and I enjoyed that, and I, I hope uh, my dear listeners uh, have gotten as much out of it uh, as I have because we've, we've had some Reiki folks uh, on the show in, in you know in, over the years, and uh, I think that was probably one of the better Reiki conversations that I can, uh, that I can think of. So anyway, uh, switching gears here a little bit, um, I want to say congratulations uh, to the winners of uh, Walking an Ancient Path, uh, Emma and Nicole. Uh, you were the two people who uh, won uh, free copies of the book. Uh, I'm glad you took advantage of the free offer that I put out uh, last week um, and you contacted me via email to get a free book. Um, and... Um, you know, because uh, they they received a copy of Walking an Ancient Path, which was my actually my award-winning book, and you know I don't mention that too much. Uh, uh, so yeah, that was um, you know that that was that was the book that uh, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to remember the uh, re- remember actually the title that it won, and and I'm I'm totally drawing a blank. That goes to show you I just don't think about that or talk about that very much can't even remember. I'll have to go back to my own website and refresh my memory. Um, And, you know, and I have a new book in the hopper. 
wanted to mention uh, about ready to go to the publisher. Uh, it's called Goddess 2.0, Advancing a New Path Forward, which I'm actually dedicating to Bernie and Jane Sanders, as well as Rianne Eisler, uh, author of Chalice and the Blade uh, and the Power of Partnership. So uh, I'm hoping with a little bit of luck I'll be uh, talking to you about that before too long and uh, maybe do a book launch party or tell you where you can get it. Uh, in case you don't know, uh, I am actually a life coach, and uh, I do life coaching via Skype, so you don't have to be in Southern California uh, if you maybe need a little help in that uh, arena. I've also authored two other books, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations. Uh, I guess the title sort of speaks for itself. You know, whether you're an armchair traveler or you actually have the opportunity to get out there, I sort of condensed uh, my own personal travels uh, into this book where you can learn about sacred sites of the divine feminine uh, actually around the world and uh, even drive there. You know, there are directions to all of the sacred sites, and uh, if uh, you know, I can understand if you don't want to leave the United States these days with uh, so much going on, uh, you can actually use the book to do a West Coast sacred pilgrimage or to visit other sacred sites uh, around the United States. Um, you know, and that's Sacred Places of Goddess. And, you know, I'm really proud of that first book. It, it was really the, probably the hardest one to write. Uh, it's got a nine-page bibliography. Uh, I mean, it is so thorough. It's like an encyclopedia uh, in, in some sense. And, um, you, know, it, it, you know, it sort of reflects my, um, the way I validated goddess spirituality, if you will. You know, because when I first got into all of this, um, Rian Eisler's book, The Chalice and the Blade, was very influential, and uh, it helped me understand her story, you know, that alternative history that we never learn in, um, you know, traditional schools. Uh, but, but, you know, reading about something in a book, you know, reading about a, a, a place or an ancient culture in a book is, you know, it's not the same as actually standing in the place. Uh, so I, I think in those early days when I did all of those travels, it was really about validating goddess spirituality for myself. And um, I thought in, in my heart of hearts that uh, by bringing these sacred sites to people, you know, whether they could see pictures of them or actually travel there, you know, it would help make goddess more real and more relevant to them, you know, just like it did uh, like it did for me. Uh, so anyway, you can get that directly from me or all the usual sources. I always love it when people actually buy my books from me. Then maybe I get more than a dollar <laughs> uh, for the book. Uh, Goddess Calling, um, that's my other book. It offers inspirational readings about why goddess is relevant today. It, I think it helps us understand how goddess teachings can be a moral compass, a spiritual compass, you know, as well as uh, has meditations in it that encourage a deepening connection to the great she. Um, that, uh, that book is actually, uh, the essays in it are talks that I gave to our own spiritual community, you know, during sacred Sundays, um, during the course of a couple years. It, to a certain extent, they follow uh, the wheel of the year, but, but not exactly. Um, 
And um, and then, of course, there's the anthology uh, based on the guests who I've interviewed here uh, on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Uh, but the book is Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Conversations to Reshape Our World. You know, it's also out there, too, and uh, it's received acclaim because it shows what a really big um, umbrella uh, ideals or values of the sacred feminine actually are, you know, with contributors as diverse as uh, Starhawk and Noam Chomsky, you know, Laura Flanders, uh, Matthew Fox, uh, Father Roy Bourgeois, who was excommunicated from the Vatican, or uh, Charles Eisenstein and Jean Shinoda Bolin, um, and, and many other uh, new voices, as well as uh, better known uh, notable voices, you know, all with really good uh, good things to say uh, about the sacred feminine, you know, maybe things that you uh, haven't even thought about. Um, So anyway, I hope you'll go to my website and check these out and help me out by purchasing a copy or two. And while you're there, don't uh, forget to take advantage uh, of all the free stuff there. And, you know, talking about books, uh, which I've always felt were my my good friends, my wise friends, my my fun friends, I wanted to share a word uh, from longtime supporter of the show, Joe Carson. Uh, So give a listen. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or tree. And I came out of it because my mother planted me out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course. Well, that was a bit uh, of a trailer uh, that you were listening to, a trailer for uh, the book, uh, Dancing with Gaia by Joe Carson. Um, Well, there's a book and a documentary, I should clarify. So you've been listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, uh, Joe Carson's feature documentary. It's about Earth energy, uh, which we were talking about a bit with Georgia. And uh, but it, but this also gets into sacred sexuality and the return of the goddess. Uh, in Dancing with Gaia, Joe interviews 15 visionaries uh, about just those topics, and she traveled to sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot it. Uh, the film comes with a uh, with a 45-page colored book. This is where the book comes in, uh, which uh, goes even deeper into the material. Uh, you can buy the DVD and the booklet uh, for only 20 bucks. Uh, that's a that's a really good deal. So check that out at uh, dancingwithgaia.com. And um, let me see. Um, you know, I, I, I just you know before I get into my feelings about the DNC and stuff that I want to share with you, um, I just want to you know make the point to say uh, and ask you to remember if you enjoy this kind of programming, uh, Blog Talk is is not free to hosts like me. So your contributions uh, are needed and welcome. Uh, there are PayPal buttons on my Goddess Store page. If you don't mind going there, uh, just go to KarenTate.com, go to the Goddess Store page, then all the way down at the bottom. 
bottom of the, um, the Goddess Store page, you'll find a button that will enable you to make a donation uh, of, of any amount. And, uh, you know, uh, I will continue to do all the free things that I do, you know, this show, my Goddess Calling audiobook series, uh, the free meditations, uh, the talks and stuff that I give, because, you know, I believe these are a service uh, to the community. Um, you know, there are talks there and classes there as well. So please enjoy it all and share the liberation theology of the sacred feminine with your friends. But just remember, goddess ideals do include, um, you know, the ideas of reciprocity. You know, goddess teaches us what you nurture and tend to thrives and what you neglect withers. Um, So, you know, I'd just like to offer you a little bit of incentive. Um, So for contributions of $50 or more, uh, you will get my three CD set of interviews with goddess advocates uh, discussing sacred sites around the world. Now, this can't be found on any Internet archives. Um, They don't exist out there on the web. You can only get these direct from me. And you know what? If you can't afford that large of a contribution, I know times are tough these days, I am sincerely grateful to take uh, smaller donations of any amount, and you will still get a gift from me as uh, thanks for your generosity. So anyway, um, shifting gears here a bit, I promised I'd have something to say about the DNC convention. Uh, You may know I am a huge Bernie Sanders supporter, and I still am. You know, I believe he's been fighting for people his entire life, uh, and he doesn't have the baggage of having taken all of the corporate money, because, you know, corporations don't give their money away without expecting something in return, which uh, most of the time is not in the interest of the 99%, which is uh, no doubt you and me. I am not in the camp of the people who believe Bernie let us down or he sold us out or he is a traitor. No, no, no. Yes, uh, I am in agony uh, with the rest of my Bernie family because uh, I really do believe, uh, you know, as as WikiLeaks proved, uh, you know, proved what we were saying all along, uh, you know, there were a lot of irregularities and, and that's putting it kindly. You know, being cheated is not the same as losing fair and square. Uh, So all I know right now is Bernie is a hero. In fact, I am dedicating my next book that I mentioned earlier, Goddess 2.0, to him and to Jane. Uh, And I'm taking a little break from political posts. Uh, on Facebook, I think, for a little while, uh, and I'm, you know, going to maybe take a little break from uh, talking politically to sort of give myself a chance to recover from this, you know, what I've come to think of as, uh, you know, this whole election cycle as this massive sham, uh, because like so many of us, you know, we need a little bit of time to grieve. So uh, if you've heard uh, or looked into the WikiLeaks revelation, um, you've maybe learned by now that all of our complaints of election fraud, of the biased media colluding with Clinton and all the rest, well, you know, it was all true. So uh, uh, so some of you have um, contacted me and said, so what am I doing moving forward? Well, I will share with you that I am joining uh, Bernie's new organization called Our Revolution. And very soon, uh, maybe as early as next week, I'll be interviewing delegates on my radio show, just a few, two or three, um, who were at the convention so that they can give us firsthand accounts of what they experienced, what they saw, how they felt. You know, that's not stuff that you can get uh, too easily 
uh, from the Main Street media, and we will be able to speak freely here and uh, not have conversations edited uh, or, you know, or, or uh, abruptly cut off. So, you know, we certainly got an education this presidential campaign, uh, and we cannot unsee what we saw and learned. Uh, we've been shown we have to uh, change the system or be totally exploited and screwed over by it. At least we are now awake and activated. This political awakening uh, is very much like when you awaken to goddess or concepts of patriarchy or feminism. You can't look back once you know, once you see. You know, you have to you have to move forward. You really don't have much choice, I don't think. So thank you, Bernie and Jane Sanders. Uh, this must have been excruciating for you both. I feel I could see the pain in your eyes and taste the bile in your mouth. As Bernie said when he addressed delegates on Monday, uh, he said to them, you know, uh, as they booed about uh, supporting you know, getting behind Hillary. He said, this is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in. Well, I think he meant by that that we can't be uh, too idealistic right now. We can't be naive. We have to make smart choices, even if it's choices we don't like. Well, uh, I guess I would say also uh, we're no longer the sheeple and um, you know, the revolution has helped us find our sacred roar, our sacred rage, and we are going to change the world. So the world that we live in won't have to tolerate this sort of stuff, and we will make the world a better place. So for all the energy workers out there, um, I think I'm taking a page out of the book of my friend uh, Lauren Time, who was on the show recently talking about how to be spiritual. She said uh, she believes everything out there is perfect. It is all happening the way it is supposed to unfold. So with that thought, I am trying to believe everything is working out the way it needs to work out so that the darkness can be transmuted, so that the darkness may be transmuted. We're certainly seeing a lot of transparency, aren't we? So I think it's all working. So mote it be. So to those who have written me asking me who I'm going to vote for now, I will tell you I have not decided. And I guess I will close the show with the quote from Nelson Mandela. He said, may your choices reflect your hopes, and not your fears. That may give you a clue the way I'm leaning. So thank you, dear listeners. I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Uh, I know I sure enjoyed talking to Georgia. And uh, I will be back with you next Wednesday. And um, I will just uh, close the show tonight with a little bit of music um, from Alea Deo. Uh, just a little snippet here called uh, Awaken, because I think so many of us are awake and activated now. So here it goes. Time to awaken.
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.